Hello and welcome to the Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, Drew, it is the time of year where I feel like every day there's a, a new piece of mock trial news uh, jumping up, whether it's regionals results or announcements about other AMTA things or, you know, law school stuff on my end, high school stuff on your end. It is certainly the time of year for for mock trial competitions all across the country, um, which is great. I love this time of year. I love uh, just getting to talk about everything that's going on and take a look at the whole landscape of uh, the entire community of mock trial across all these different levels. Uh, Drew, I know you coach at two different high schools, and I imagine it's that time of year for you as well. So uh, give us a quick update. How have things been going since the last time we chatted with uh, with your teams? So I want to be very clear that I have been far less involved this year than in past years, but trying to still, you know, keep whatever hold I have over some of these kids. I am really, really excited to to have heard that they've done really, really well. Um, my Massachusetts team just recently won um, their tiebreaker round uh, after going undefeated through their region um, to make it to the, the state final 16 and then the Georgia team that I my high school that I went to Galloway um, they just actually got two teams through to the next round of state tournaments um, which is a really really exciting achievement for them so on the high school front absolutely killing it really happy for both of those programs they are just a bunch of workhorses and I just hope enough of them go to Haverford to make Haverford good again. Um, not that Haverford's <laughs> great. I love, you know, the kids actually there are working really hard. They're getting ready for their reach on this weekend. And I've actually been helping them a lot more in the last couple weeks. And I'm hoping that, uh, that it can, uh, turn out some good results for them. But, um, it's actually funny. I, I actually got a chance to witness for the law school, like, uh, uh for NTC. Yeah, well, for the Tyler competition is what I did it oh, for. Oh, yeah, that's what, um, yeah, same thing. Yeah. And, God, I got to tell you, Ben, law school mock trial is kind of terrible. Like, I'm not <laughs> trying to totally brag on it, but the case was just atrocious. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, if, if any of your listeners are, are doing law school mock trial, I think that it's really cool. There are a lot of things about it that are very different. I think the woodshedding of witnesses is a very interesting idea. I think that it is sometimes better than others. Um, but overall, I think it's a very interesting form of competition. I got a chance to witness and it was a lot of fun. But I just thought that the case was really terrible. Like, I don't know how much you know about it, Ben. And I don't want to take too much of our time on it. But, man, I'll tell you, it was just like boring honestly just a terrible case but i'll say this real quick on that because i think it's an interesting subject we, we should have a longer episode some other day about some of the yeah. law school stuff yes. now that i've yes. been back in that world but i'll say very briefly on that topic i mean we sent two teams to ntc or tyla that it goes by either name same competition yeah. and it is the one competition for those who aren't familiar drew mentioned woodshedding the way this competition works is you get your witness for each of the four advocates you get your witness 15 minutes before the round and it can be mm -hmm. like a random person that's been recruited or a member of a program, whatever it like, it, it, it's a wide variety. And, and so it's supposed to simulate realism. I am highly, highly skeptical of this concept yeah. and have been yeah. for a long time. Uh, and both of the national law school mock trial competitions are run pretty poorly. And I, I was very unimpressed with, with the case uh, this year for this one. I just did not think it was a particularly high quality case. Um, I think the competition overall is fun. It's an interesting concept, but uh, I'm glad that you got a chance to experience it, and I think like maybe once this season settles down a little bit, uh, we should dive into the world of law school mock because I would be happy to 
share my thoughts on, you know, things now that I've been full time at Maryland for close to a year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really hopeful to next year actually compete with the Tulane Law Mock Trial team if I make it. Um, so I guess, you know, if I don't make it, you all know what happened. Um, but, you know, hopeful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be trying out for them and, and hope to compete with them next year. Unfortunately, at Tulane, 1Ls aren't allowed to compete, so I just witnessed for them. But, uh, no, I definitely, I think we should chat about it. It'll be a fun topic for us. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to dive in there. I think that why most people are tuning into this episode, though, and I think that we would be cruel to make them wait any longer is that Ampta made a very, very important, very exciting announcement uh, just the other day. And so, Ben, I'm going to throw it to you. Ampta said they're on, they're going to be completely in person for orcs. What do you think? What's going on? How excited are you? Are you terrified? Tell me what's up. Well, it's orcs. I'm always terrified. Like, Ampta could announce <laughs> that orcs is on a cruise ship, and I would I would be terrified. Um, even more terrified now because like, you know, <laughs> not a good idea. But yes, yeah, so Amta announced uh, in-person orcs and an in-person national championship. I'm looking at their website here. I'm not going to read the whole statement, but just to quote a couple lines it says uh, since July, Amta has planned for the return of safe in-person competition. Today, Amta is delighted to announce it plans to hold opening round championship series tournaments in person this March and the national championship tournament in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, April 8th through 10th. The decision is subject to change in light of the evolving public health circumstances and our host's ability to hold in-person competitions. Uh, yeah, I, I was really happy to see this news. I think that we all sort of understood, like we talked about when we did the emergency episode, we all kind of understood why regionals had to go back online. At the time that that decision was made, we were still really in the peak of the Omicron wave and there just there was nothing else that we could do. You know, basically every tournament with the exception of one or two moved online as well. So it just, it was what it was. But I think we all hoped that it was a temporary measure and assuming that AMTA is able to continue and we don't see things change uh, from their announcement, orcs are going to be in person. And that's really exciting. I know my team was looking forward to this announcement. And in the days leading up to it, I had heard that this was likely going to be the announcement. Uh, mm -hmm. I heard a rumor that maybe it was mentioned at a closing ceremony for a regional or two uh, this past weekend as well. Uh, I will make one other remark on this, Drew, and then I'll be curious for mm -hmm. your thoughts. I am not going to prejudge AMTA's COVID rules. They, they didn't announce any with the, this announcement. So I am not going to suggest that there will be sufficient or insufficient. I'm not going to reach any conclusion to that effect. <laughs> I was surprised that they didn't say anything about them in yeah, this announcement. Yeah, because this was not a surprise announcement. It, they, they set this date. Happy Valentine's Day. Here's, you know, here's your announcement. Mm -hmm. We've known about this date for several weeks. We've also known about how to plan for this for, for weeks and weeks and months before mm -hmm. that. And again, I'm not expecting them. I'm sure some of each individual host will have different restrictions, and I'm not expecting AMTA to know every single bit of that right now. But for example, uh, a couple weeks before regionals, uh, several teams who were originally going to be going to Great Chicago Fire came together to host a tournament that we called the Windy City Invitational. We hosted it. Uh, it was It was... Northwestern, who did the the lion's share of the work, and it was UMBC and Tufts and Emory who all chipped in. Uh, and we required at that tournament basically KN95 masks or better. Uh, and it's a huge difference. There have been extensive studies that have shown that that makes a massive difference in cutting down on risk and transmission. It felt to me like AMTA could have said in their announcement, 
By the way, we are going to have enhanced COVID protocols. We'll announce all of the details in the next couple of weeks for orcs, but we anticipate requiring high quality masks from all participants or something like that, just to give everyone a sense that, hey, we're being very careful and, and planning for this. So, Drew, I've been going on for a while, so I'll, so I'll kick it over to you. <laughs> uh, generally, I feel positive about this announcement. I know how hard AMTA is working behind the scenes, and I'm very excited that orcs and nationals are planned to be in. So I'll say this. I think that I overwhelmingly agree with what you were just saying. I think that this was a, a great decision. I'm glad that they made it. I think at the end of the day, we knew regionals had to go online based on where we were, you know, a, a few weeks ago. And honestly, by now, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I am a scientist that knows better, but I, I do think it's fair to say that we're starting to emerge from the terrifying Omicron wave that hit us in this last month or so. And I think with that in mind, it it makes sense to make this decision. I agree with what you said, Ben, that they I, I really hope that AMTA is going to come out with some pretty strict rules around masking guidelines, vaccine guidelines, whatever else. Um, you know, I look, we've discussed it enough times on the podcast, people know how we feel about it, but I really think that you know AMTA needs to do that sooner rather than later. Uh, but I, I think this is overall really good. I'm glad we're getting back to in-person mock trial. I think there is just no one that thinks that online mock trial is, is better. Uh, the one thing I will say, and this goes back to the conversation that we had a, a long, long time ago with US, uh, University of South Carolina Aiken, and I do – I guess that I was kind of – wondering whether they would keep at least one competition online. Um, going back to the conversations even that you and I had more recently, there are members of our community that for one reason or another maybe can't compete in person. And especially if AMTA instills the type of rules that I hope they do, um, there may be teams that are not able to compete for one reason or another. And I guess that I don't want to see us totally do away with the ability for certain groups, certain people to be able to compete if they're unable to right now. And I think that the one thing that I'm curious to see about and what I, what I would have definitely liked would have been for AMTA to kind of, and this, this would be very logistically difficult, so I'll, I'll admit that, but as teams are getting bids, kind of pull them and say, hey, when you sign up to, for orcs, um, sign up for either in person or online. And if you have enough that want to do online or there's a way to power balance it to be online, I think having one of them be online would be good. But I also, I like, I understand that it's like, it sucks for those teams that then wanted to compete in person and get forced to compete online or people that, you know, want to start getting ready for nationals and haven't got a chance to compete in person. So I, you know, it's tough. It's a tough call. I don't think that I wanted to be the one making that call, but that's just kind of my thought of maybe something that could have been done, but on the whole, good job, Amta. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting us go back to in-person mock trial. I'm excited to see how that goes. As you said, Ben Orks is never good. But I think that at least on some level, maybe there's going to be something exciting about kind of getting to see people that you haven't seen in a little while. And even if it's masked, I'm sure that everyone's going to like getting to get together um, in person. Yeah, I'll echo one or two things that you said there. I think that, you know, like you said, we're not the the arbiters of, of these things. And so uh, certainly we know and recognize how difficult it is to manage the logistics. But I really hope that we are making efforts behind the scenes to make sure that no one is going to be excluded from orcs uh, that I, I mean, I just think about how terrible it would be 
to earn an orcs bid and then feel like the community is leaving you behind. Um, and of course, you get into all kinds of really thorny questions there of like, if there are two teams who can't go in person, then what do you do? If there's only one team, if there's four teams, we obviously don't have the time to get into any of that. We're not going to. But bottom line is, I think Amped is being very careful and very methodical in their decision making. I think that they made the correct decision here pending the COVID rules and the safety precautions that they put into place to make sure that we can do this safely. So I feel good about it. And we've got a couple regionals to review. So Drew, you have any other thoughts on this before we move forward to those regionals? No, let's go ahead and head right into it, Ben. I did it first last time. So why don't you take it away? All right. Sounds good. We have a whopping two regionals to break down for you all. This is going to be a Buckle short in. episode. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, you know, I hope, I hope you've got a long commute for this one exactly. because it'll take up <laughs> approximately a third of that commute. Look, Honestly, it's a good thing we're going to be rested because weeks three and four both have 10. So, you know, those are going to have to be like speed run episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll, you know, I'll take the, the two, uh, the two this week and we can, you know, make up for it the next two weeks. Practice your auctioneer voice for it. <laughs> <laughs> can you, like, everyone's going to have to listen to that one on two and a half right. times speed just yeah. to, to make through it. Um, okay, so let's jump to Regional 2A. Regional 2A, like the other regionals, had six bids. Those bids in order were Washington University, St. Louis A, seven and a half wins and a 16 and a half CS. Washington and Lee A, seven wins and a 14 CS. Chicago D, seven wins and a 12 CS. Emory A, seven wins and an 11 and a half CS. Hillsdale B, six and a half wins and a 15 CS. And Furman B, six wins and a 16 and a half CS. Our one honorable mention here was University of Tennessee Chattanooga A, five wins and a 20 CS. Uh, I really have two main thoughts on this regional. Number one is, holy you know what, this is a tough mm -hmm. regional. The top half of this mm -hmm. regional could be an Orcs. This is like a brutal regional, and I think it's an even tougher regional in reality than it is on paper because I think Emory A... Wash UA and Washington and Lee A, who are always strong teams, are having like some of the better seasons to best seasons they've had in quite some time. And they're great yep. teams who are usually top, you know, whatever, like nationals caliber, gonna place at their divisions and, and, you know, at least in most years. And I mean, they are great teams. And so I am thrilled that I was not at this regional. I want nothing to do with this regional. The one downside is you had this great regional with all these really great teams, and most of them didn't play each other. Um, mm -hmm. Those top four teams, Wash U, Washington and Lee, Chicago and Emory, they never faced each other. They, they never they never played, so we never got to see Wash U A versus Emory A, which is like, that could be a Nationals matchup. That could be a high round at Nationals matchup this year, and I would have loved to see how that came out at Regionals. Um, you had a couple teams who did have to deal with that. Um I don't think we should read anything from UT Chattanooga not getting an earned bid. They had a 20 CS uh, and they had to play. I've got their path here. Um, yeah, they had to play Washington and Lee A and Wash U St. Louis A and still managed to get five ballots by grabbing a split with Washington and Lee and winning their other four ballots against the other teams they played. Uh, so I certainly think that they had a very strong weekend as well. I have a couple other thoughts, but I'm going for a little while, Drew. So what <laughs> else caught your attention at this regional? 
Well, I'll start by saying that, you know, Ben, you mentioned those those top kind of three juggernauts of Wash U, Washington, Lee, and Emory. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned UT Chattanooga. That's another really strong program. Chicago is just so deep that even a D team from them is always going to seem dangerous. Yeah. And and like, it, it's kind of interesting, but a, a team like NIU, who I think, you know, I, I, we're going to probably talk about this. NIU used to be a Nationals caliber program that was getting there um, pretty frequently. And that's a strong program that, you know, they didn't make it through, didn't have the strongest of weekends. But, I mean, dang, this is just a really dense, tough regional. I did want to note um, Furman making it back through. Furman's been kind of like, I don't know, like Furman's kind of a weird one in that they had like the longest active streak of making it to nationals for a little while. And then a few years back that ended, they've been kind of, you know, middle tier, sometimes making, usually making it to orcs, occasionally make it to nationals. Um, but then they sometimes they've missed orcs lately. Um, now their B team is making it through uh Pretty solid performance out of them. So I, I think that's a good sign for Furman and definitely encouraging, you know, really a perennial, um, a very, very historically strong program that I think uh, it's exciting to see them do well again. But uh, I think that other than that, you covered a lot of it, Ben. Um, I'll throw it back to you, though, if there's anything else you wanted to mention before we move on. Um, I think because we've talked about all of the other teams that made it through, it's worth mentioning Hillsdale B uh, mm-hmm. got through. Hillsdale, um, I think we're going to talk about their A team in our next regional. Uh, they're a very, very good team, uh, and it's certainly not surprising to see their B team get through. If I recall correctly from looking at my notes here, um, they they played... They were the only team that took a half a ballot off of Wash U, Wash mm-hmm. U had a a win and a tie against Hillsdale B. So given just how dominant of a weekend this was, because we we talked about Wash U's strength, but Wash U went seven and a half with a point differential of 149, uh, which for eight rounds is <laughs> eight ballots is, is impressive. It's very strong. So uh, I think Hillsdale B to see that they're so strong that they got out comfortably, even with a tough path, and were the only team that managed to take anything off of Wash U. Uh, I think that uh, that's quite noteworthy. The only other thing that I will mention, I was a little bit surprised that Kennesaw State didn't get through. Uh, I Mm -hmm. looked it up. They're ranked 139th. They won six ballot at Orcs last year. They had a couple of tough splits, and then round three, um, they had to play Emory, and and Emory won those rounds, and and that was pretty much it. And it's just, I I think the, the, the thought that that leads me to is, man, the middle of a regional can get just get so messy and you've got these mm-hmm. you know two one and one and two and two and one and three teams all just battling for their lives and trying to get so that they're not at the bottom end of the high low flip in round four and i think kennesaw state just kind of got dragged down into that that morass and and didn't unfortunately get through so yeah g- props on all the teams that got through at this regional mm-hmm. i agree with you about chicago d for them to just kind of comfortably get through is just amazing and speaks to the depth of that program. And I think that's all I have. So if you don't have anything else, I think you can move us to 2B. There's one last thing I wanted to mention before we move on, and that's that we didn't really touch on this enough, but Emory A, uh, despite not maybe having the opportunity to to show off, I really think that is a team to keep your eye on. Uh, I mean, they are just 
crazy, crazy strong this year. Um, they are, they have a lot of, of really strong seniors and older members that have been experienced, that have been routinely making it to nationals. Emory's been getting an A and a B team to nationals for a few years now. And I think this is the kind of the year that it's really going to be paying dividends. I mean, it's not like they haven't been doing well in the last few years. They've been getting, you know, top 10 as long as I can freaking remember. Um, so they've been doing very, very well. But I think that, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I think that Emory and Tufts both managed to get seven wins with fairly low CSs and coming fourth in their regional. And I think that both of them are teams that I'm looking at as potential final round contenders. So don't be, you know, don't be too detract, you know, paying too much attention really to the exact placement that a team gets at, at regionals. I think that, uh, I think that the story will spin itself when we get to the end. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and move on to regional 2B. Um, I will say, first of all, that you're going to notice a lot of similar names here, uh, a lot of the kind of parallel teams from what we just discussed in 2A. But um, starting with six bids, we had Pittsburgh A with eight wins and a 12 and a half CS. Then we had Miami B with six and a half wins and a 15 and a half CS. Then Ohio State A with six wins and a 17 CS, followed by Florida State A with six wins and a 17 CS. Then Emory B with six wins and a 15 and a half CS. And finally, Florida D with five and a half wins and a 16 CS. And actually, I need to go back something really quickly. Um, Ohio State and Florida State, you may have noticed, had the same number of wins, six wins, the same CS of 17. So we have to go to our next tiebreaker, which is actually OCS. For those that don't know, OCS is the combined, the combined four combined strengths of the four teams you faced. So we get Ohio State A in third with a 74 OCS and Florida State in fourth with a 66 OCS. Uh, don't always see it going that far, but, uh, you know, that's why we got these tiebreakers in place. And I will quickly say our honorable mention team was Hillsdale A with five wins in a 19 and a half CS. Okay, so just starting out here, um, I think that a lot of this was kind of the teams we expected to make it through. And we just mentioned the fact that Chicago D made it through in 2A. Chicago C didn't manage to make it through in 2B. Um, I think that's one of the only programs where we would talk about a C team not making it through as being surprising. Um, but there are definitely some interesting results here. Uh, I think Pittsburgh A going eight wins. This is a tough regional. Like That is very, very impressive from them. And it wasn't like they had a cakewalk to get there. They had to sweep Florida State. In, in their third round. And I will fully admit Florida State is one of those teams that people have been expecting to be a top, top team. And for Pittsburgh to sweep them is a very, very good sign for them. So definitely kudos to Pittsburgh coming in first with eight wins is really, really solid out of a tough one here. Um, Ohio State, you know, look, they're Ohio State. I, you know, they're really, really good. I think that this is kind of the, the, the last little bit of, you know, members who been part of the organization under the uh, Alex Bluebond, Eric Reutemann, et cetera, regime, um, where they've been so good for a little while, you know, Matt Bestman, the rest. I mean, they were fantastic. And I think that we're kind of seeing the last crop of, uh, of members that were kind of under them um, coming through. And I think that this is kind of Ohio State's 
in my opinion, at least their their year where uh, if they're going to make a showing that they're going to be consistently at that level, they need to show us this year that they can keep doing that. Um, because this is kind of the test, you know, all right, can you can you be good once you've graduated all of your core members um, is the test of any uh, of program if they're going to stand the test of time. Um, you know, we I think that Florida, their D team making it through like We've got Florida and Chicago, both with D teams making it through. I just, I, I, it, it will never make sense to me how a team is just able to be that deep. It's just incredible. Um, so good on them. I mean, that is just never going to not be impressive. And, you know, Ben, we mentioned Hillsdale a little bit in, in 2A, and I think it's appropriate to mention them here. They got an honorable mention here. Uh, they did have five wins with a 19 and a half CS. And even though their B team made it through, um, that's going to put them in a very interesting spot of whether or not they're going to make it off the open bid list. Um, I think that typically that's going to be a high enough CS that they're probably going to be right on the edge. Um, being a second team through, it's going to mean that they are below all the other first teams through with five wins, but going to be a close one there. Um, obviously, I hope that they do. They had a really, really tough schedule to get there. They managed to sweep Ohio State A. I want to say that again. Hillsdale A swept Ohio State A and didn't manage to make it out. I think that this was pretty surprising that they swept Ohio State A, then got swept by Emory B, and then their reward is Chicago C in the final round, who they managed to beat again. So Hillsdale did not have an easy schedule at all. And, you know, even the 19 and a half CS does not show just how difficult of a schedule they had and really a very impressive, um, impressive out of them to get five wins despite that showing. Um, all right, Ben, I, I've talked for long enough. I'll kick it back over to you. Uh, what else did you see in 2B? Yeah. So one thing sort of interesting to note, you mentioned the open bid list. So I want to talk about that for just one second. So there are only 28 regionals this year. Um, we've, we're through eight of them. Now we have 20 to go and there are already 18 teams on the open bid list. Now the last three are four and a halves. So there are 15 teams on the open bid list with at least five wins. That number is going to absolutely explode. Yes. Um, (laughs) and there will be more open bids created. Obviously. I mean, when you see teams like Florida D and Chicago D it's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. There's an open bid right there. Um, and so obviously there's going to be more created, but I will be very curious to see how far we get down this list because there's Mm -hmm. already a six and three, five and a halves on this list. And we have Mm -hmm. only eight regionals down and 20 to go. Um, and, this is not a shot at anyone, but I think just given how absolutely desperate AMTA is for judges right now, the likelihood of some odd outcomes over the next couple of weekends probably goes up a little bit when you're kind of by necessity just taking anyone that that wants to come and judge. Um, you pretty much hit the main items with this regional. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to sort of rehash everything you said about Florida D, but like it's, it is remarkable how unremarkable that is, you know, like (laughs) we're like, Oh, Florida D got through. And it's like, Florida D got through. That's amazing. But like, you know, Chicago D, but just the programs with so much depth, the UCLA's and, and those types of teams that can get, you know, four teams through, you know, roads and stuff like that. It's amazing. Uh, I really agree about Pitt. while you were talking about them. I was looking them up and, and on TPR, uh, the last two years, they've won five ballots at Oryx. And then the year before that, they don't have any ballots down for Oryx. We 
tend to run into them a fair amount in a normal season because obviously geographically we're not that far away. They're always good. Um, and I'm not sure if their identity has been as clear over the last couple of years. I think that maybe they're one of those teams that, you know, it is so hard to make that jump. And they're kind of stuck in the middle where you have all of these great DC, Maryland, Virginia teams below them. And then all of the great North, like the new England teams above them. And, you know, they end up going one, one place or the other, and then maybe get stuck a little bit in there and have trouble getting, you know, through to nationals, which they haven't done in a few years, but to see them go eight. No, I certainly think they have to be on the radar to sweep Florida state, a team that I think many people would expect to be at nationals and to finish ahead of teams like Ohio state, who again, very well could be mm-hmm. at, at nationals. I, I think it's worth noting. Uh, Emory B. I mean, Emory's just a deep and great program. Same thing for Miami B. We kind of glossed over that. Yep, um, yep. But I know that sometimes, you know, Miami A is this elite, amazing team. Sometimes I think in past years, results wise, there's been a little bit of a drop off there. Doesn't look like it's going to be that way this year. Miami B had a had a very strong weekend. Um, and then I agree with everything you said about Hillsdale. Um, you know, they're just this really, really strong good program uh, you know 19 and a half cs i feel like they and ut chattanooga basically had the same weekends where they mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. five wins with a brutal cs in a normal year these regionals would have seven bids and they would be both of those teams would easily be through yeah. um, and hopefully I, I, five wins with the, that high cs like i'm looking at the open bid list and ut chattanooga is seventh um and then I don't actually see Hills. Oh, oh, right, because it's they're their way down bid. there. They're right, right, because right, it's yep. their second. But yeah, UT Chattanooga is at seven, so I don't think they'll have any pro- any problems getting through. So, bottom line is, I think there wasn't. You know, if you look at the twelve names on these bids, there are no. Like I remember last weekend, I talked about. I think it was Missouri State, and it was like their first bid they'd gotten in several years, or like Dillard. You know, we interviewed Dillard. There weren't any teams like that this weekend. These are all sort of big name established programs that that all got through and even got the honorable mentions and that really doesn't surprise me if you look closely at these tab summaries you'll see a lot of you know teams that maybe only field one or two teams and and they didn't have a lot of success this past weekend so i think that's basically everything that i saw here anything else on your end drew other than that i think we've covered it we've spent a lot longer on these two regionals than i expect we will the next couple of weeks so enjoy (laughs) this while we can ben we got to get into speed mode now yeah it's gonna be crazy so i'm I'm repping this upcoming weekend and then we're hosting Mm -hmm. the weekend after and it is you know we talked about people judging uh on last week's episode sign up to judge y'all like amta is is literally begging people and it's not it's no one's fault like every like if you've hosted a mock trial tournament recently you know nobody wants to sign up to judge these tournaments anymore it like Mm -hmm, we're just mm -hmm. you know i mean yeah the schedule isn't helping but i get why the schedule is what it is and you know 10 regionals on two consecutive weekends is just brutal so sign up to judge send the link out to you know friends and family who maybe would Mm want to sign up to judge and and let's power through and then you know drew the next time we're on the mics i think we'll have a a lot more to get through than uh than this quick little episode tonight you know i i just it's funny you mentioned the judging thing i just was checking my email and i swear to you in the last 30 minutes i just happened to get an email from amta saying 
hi there, alum, would you like to judge? And I was like, yes, I would like to judge. So I'm <laughs> going to be signing up, and I think all of you should too. Um, hopefully that means that AMTA is finally using that wonderful alumni email list that they asked us all to make uh, and fill out at least. So hopefully if you're an alum listening to this, uh, you've done mock trial before, sign up to judge you know, at least do one round. Everyone can find time to do one round over the weekend. Um, it's Mardi Gras weekend, and I'm going to find time to make it work. But uh, <laughs> look, judging, it's a good way to give back. And I think we can all agree that mock trial alums, uh, at the very least, know what is going on. And that's more than some judges can say. So, Hey, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great message to end it on. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We know this is a quick little episode, but obviously the next couple weeks will be a lot longer. And then we get to start prepping for in-person orcs and an in-person national championship tournament. Woo! And I cannot wait to, uh, to get to do those things and to finish the season in Lancaster. Uh, Drew, I hope that everything continues to go well for you with law school. I'm sure we'll have a chance to chat about all that very soon. You know, until then, we'll just keep working on these regionals episodes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's a pleasure to be with you. We'll be back in your feeds very soon. Until then, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.